Welcome to the Adoption Connection Podcast, where we share resources by and for adoptive and foster moms. I'm Lisa Qualls. And this is Melissa Corkum. Don't worry, we get it and we're here for you. Good morning, Melissa. How are you today? Good morning, Lisa. I am well. How was your Easter? It was good. We do this thing on Easter and I think it's kind of regional to us and not even just regional, but like specific to certain neighborhoods in Baltimore. It comes from my father's side of the family, um, but it's called egg picking. It's this tradition where you take hard boiled eggs and it's like a game and you, it sounds really dumb. I don't even know how to explain it like on a podcast, but you know, one person holds the egg. We identify the point and the butt of the egg and you, you know, hold it so that just the point showing and then the other person bangs the point of their egg against your point and then whoever's egg cracks loses and then you do the other side and it's kind of like my dad said it was like a tournament when they were kids and they actually did it for keeps because it was at a time when you know there weren't a lot of resources and so this was like a pretty serious deal we just kind of do it for fun in our family but you know it's always kind of a big deal to see who has the last egg that doesn't have both ends cracked I have never heard of that. That is really funny. And apparently in the Pacific Northwest, we did not play that game. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I don't meet very many people in all of my life outside of my family. I've only met one other person who had ever heard of it and that his family also did it, but his dad was from the same area of the city that my dad is from. Yeah. So if you've ever picked eggs or done something similar, but have a different name, send us a message. We're curious now if this happens in other parts of the U.S. Or world even. I don't know. Maybe it came from some other country. Maybe. Well, today we are going to be talking about summer and how to prepare for summer with our kids. And I'm curious, Melissa, do you have anything big happening this summer? Um, maybe. Who knows? Lisa, that's like a whole like two months away. <laughs> we don't plan that far ahead in our family. <laughs> You're so funny. Well, we, we definitely have something big that we've been planning and planning for, and our daughter is getting married this summer. I know, so that, in your backyard. Oh, yes. And let me tell you, we have so much work to do. It is slightly overwhelming at the moment, but I'm trying to do the things I would do for my kids and break it down into small chunks and, uh, you know, try to pace myself so that we don't end up with a crazy week or two before the wedding because we've actually had a wedding in our yard before and literally as the bridal party was leaving to go take pictures because th that wedding it was the reception in our yard and the wedding was in the church and uh, as the bridal party was leaving I have pictures of them leaving and Russ is in the background on his tractor still moving like big rocks and stuff and this is yeah anyhow so I'm hoping that we're going to do better this time around. Yeah, it sounds like it. Well, it sounds super fun. Okay, so summer. You said we were going to talk about summer. And I know that when we were in the height of our crisis, like the thought of summer literally made me so panicky. It was so awful. And summers kind of look a lot like school years around our parts these days because Patrick and I both work from home now. Two of our kids are homeschooled. One of them's not in school anymore. So there's not a whole lot that marks summer for us. But I do remember a time when the idea of summer just kind of seemed to stretch on for eternity. <laughs> yes. And spring was the time where we started anticipating it. And it's kind of the time to start planning if we're going to do it well. Right. Because I think sometimes if summer is hard, 
we might kind of stay a little bit in denial and think, oh, I have time, I have time. And then there are those of us who are, tend to be a little more anxious and worried who will start scanning for activities and things. So our recommendation to everyone is to be proactive and think about summer and what's going to be hard and what you're going to need. So we're going to talk through our best five summer tips for families with kids who have unique needs and kids from hard places. The first thing is to create routines and not schedules. So I know, Lisa, you are super passionate about this tip and it has worked really well for your family. Do you want to talk about what the difference between a routine and a schedule is? Yeah. uh, Well, I used to do schedules because I like schedules for myself. But what I found is with a schedule, everything was set at a certain time. Like at this time, we're going to have breakfast. At this time, we're going to sit together and read. And at this time, we're going to go to the park or whatever. So we had all these scheduled things. But what I found is that one small thing could throw us off schedule. One really dysregulated child. Uh, Back in our homeschool days, oh my goodness, people couldn't find pencils or whatever it was, you know, and and so the schedule would be quickly thrown off. And then I'd have to look at it and decide, okay, okay, do I scratch something from the schedule to try to get us back on track? What do I do? And what I found worked much better for us was creating simple routines. And for me, what a routine is, is it's the order in which we do things. And so it would be simple things like we get up in the morning and we get dressed and we have breakfast and kids take meds and then we do chores and then we have free play outside and then at noon we have lunch and then we go to the pool. So I guess noon, I did say a time there, um, you know, we had meals are always kind of anchors, but whether it actually happened at noon or 1230 or 1145 didn't matter because it was just part of the flow of the routine. The other great thing about routines is we can make them visual for our kids. We can make really, really simple charts that show them. I mean, you can be super creative and crafty if you want to or not. But like for children who aren't readers yet or who are really visual, you could take photographs of what you do during the morning routine and put those all in order on a piece of poster board. Or you could draw things or whatever it is you need to do to help your kids. Because with my children who were very, very hypervigilant, they were very anxious about what was going to happen next. And so Calcanon in particular would have to repeat over and over the the routine that she knew. I find that the fewer surprises there are for my kids, the better. And even now with older kids, we still follow routines, but not schedules. So what do you think about that, Melissa? Does that fit with your family at all? It does, especially when we had all six kids at home and we were homeschooling. And you're right, there you just you can't predict how long anything is going to take. So the idea of the order of things, but then being a little bit flexible in case there was a need that needed to be met or someone called or I don't know. So that resonates with me. I will say though, in the name of like high structure, high nurture. I think, especially in summer, we sometimes, in the name of giving our kids voice and sharing control, may give too many choices or too much nurture in this area. So, you know, we decide on this routine that's 
kind of not based on like another appointment, right? So if we decide we're going to get up and eat breakfast and read books, then play outside, then have lunch, like we're dictating that. And so it feels like there can be a lot of flexibility there. You know, if our kid decides that he wants to go outside before we read books or whatever. And I think in the name of connected parenting, a lot of times we'd be like, oh, well, that's not a hill to die on. Like we could do that. But I think we just have to know our kids. And some of our kids, when they suggest stuff like that, and we follow their lead, if we do it too often, it also it can turn into something that's too high nurture without enough structure. And even though our kids are asking for something different or outside of the routine, it's almost like a test. And so our ability to lovingly and patiently keep pointing our kids back to the structure actually helps them feel safer. Yeah. Just last night with my boys, there was something that you know, we is a normal routine and we gotten a little lax about it. And so both of them wanted to alter the routine last night. And I said, you know what? No, this is how we do it. And this is why we do it this way. So we're going to stick with the routine that we have. And they both, you know, pulled it together and they did it. But um, yeah, it was, routines are important. And we both love this quote, Our mentor, Dr. Karen Purvis, she said, if we give our children nurture when they need structure, we inhibit their growth. And if we give them structure when they need nurture, we inhibit their ability to trust. So we need, I think routines give us the balance of nurture and structure because there is some flexibility. We are meeting needs, but we're also putting structure around the day, which I think is really important for our kids. Yeah. And remember that if we've decided that a certain routine or a structure is really healthy for our family, just because sometimes it evokes big emotions in our children as we're trying to stay true to that structure doesn't mean that it's bad. I think sometimes our kids' big reactions, because we're trying to make it stop, we start changing what we're doing because of their behavior, Um, even though we don't mean to, but we start rethinking, like, is their behavior showing us that we need to do something different? And sometimes that's not it. Sometimes they're just, you know, they just need to sit in it and press through that growth piece that Dr. Purvis was talking about. So tip number two, remember the basics. So these are like our basic survival needs, uh, nutrition, hydration, and sleep. You know, having high protein high fat snacks available throughout the day can be really helpful. Things like cheese sticks, hard boiled eggs, cut up vegetables, fruit, nuts. You know, there's lots of great options. Obviously some of our kids have special diets or food sensitivities. So just kind of work within that, but having that structure is great. And again, know your kids, right? Some of our kids do really well having that stuff available to them where they have some control and access to it. Some of our more fragile kids that's almost too much nurture and not enough structure to have freely available food. So we need to say, we're going to do a snack, you know, every time the timer goes off and maybe it's every two hours. And even if they're like begging for food in between, that might be one of those times when we need to stick with the structure because we know that they'll be okay giving this open, like you can have a snack whenever you want it. Just use your words. will work for some kids, but Again, that's too much control and not enough structure for other kids. So we just have to be paying attention to what's going to work for our family in our specific situation. So along with nutrition, water is really, really important, especially during the summer. Everyone's a little bit hotter, a little bit sweatier, needs more water, but hydration is really important for our kids' brains. And so having water 
throughout the day, making sure we take water with us if we're going out and about to the pool or wherever water and nutrition kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, we've always had a lot of fun in the summer. I would try to buy each of the kids some kind of special cup or water bottle. And they weren't like super expensive because, you know, they get lost and things happen. But I remember several years ago now when they first started doing the plastic uh, cups that look like canning jars, you know, Mm -hmm. with the screw on lid and the straw. And we went and I let each of the kids pick out their own color And that was just really, really fun. They enjoyed that a lot. And then we would just line them up on the kitchen counter in the morning and people would drink out of them all day. And that worked really, really well. Um, We've done water bottles where people have decorated them with markers or stickers, just different things to, because not only does it encourage them to drink the water, but I think it helps them uh, take some responsibility for making sure they have there. So like if we're getting in the car, we can say, everybody get your water bottle. I think that's really, really helpful. And both of us live where it can get very, very hot and you've got to have water with you when you go places. Yeah. I, I find that I need to be better about that for myself even. And then if you have a kid who just can't keep a water bottle for to save his life, I, I wouldn't know anything about that. But we just reuse the disposable ones. So we'll buy like a six pack or whatever, and then we reuse it until it's lost and then we replace it. And then I don't feel so many big emotions about a lost water bottle. Yeah, that's a good point. I usually put uh, bottled water, the disposable ones, I'll put a case of them or a big pack of them in my car and just keep them there all summer because you just never know when you're going to be somewhere and you're going to need water and someone won't have it. And I know water is really important. One other tip I have that I have found so helpful over the years is to make a very simple summer menu and use the same one every week. Nobody is really going to care. And if they do, well, they can come up with a new idea. But like, you know, we talk about is that constantly having to think about things like what are we going to have for dinner tonight is really, it consumes energy. So what ends up happening is we don't make anything and we throw something together last minute. So, you know, for my family, if they had grilled burgers every single Friday night in the summer, they would be fine. If we did a big salad with some kind of meat and things in it every Wednesday, that's great. And so I would write out a simple menu for each day of the week just one week at a time and follow it. It will make your days so much easier and everybody will eat and be happy. Well, maybe not happy, but they will eat. Yeah. And you won't have to do as much takeout and you won't have to think as much. So the other big part of these basics is sleep. Uh, This is probably also a whole episode. And Tanya did an episode last week about some things that have helped her family with sleep. So you can jump back to that episode. We'll also link to that in the show notes. Our kids need sleep. And I know that this can be elusive for a lot of us, but we have to kind of keep trekking through and being creative, um, trying different things, because if we can get the sleep thing down, there's a fantastic trickle down effect that so many other things feel smaller for our kids and for us. Absolutely. Sleep is a big deal for me because I've struggled with it a lot. So I've done a lot of thinking about it and research and trying different things. So, you know, really super practical things, but in the summer, room darkening curtains for sure. Otherwise my kids would be awake at 4.30, you know, and we do live on top of a hill. And so the east facing bedrooms just get 
Right, 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 son. When I was a kid, my mom took an old dark army blanket, you know, those old wool ones. Yeah. And she just cut holes in it and she put hangers through the holes, like like four hangers or something, and then just hung those hangers on our curtain rod to help us stay asleep. So anyhow, room darkening shades for certain. Also, we use sound machines, which I've talked about lots of times before, but we use sound machines in every single bedroom because in the summer, unless it's so hot that we can't open the windows, usually where we live, it cools down at night. And so we can open up windows, but we live where there's enough noise that early in the morning, there'll be too much noise and the kids will wake up. So sound machines are super, super helpful. How about you? What things help your kids sleep, Melissa? Being consistent, consistent bedtime routine. And I know that that doesn't work for everyone. I think being understanding too, it's so frustrating when kids can't sleep, but just remember that there's so many unknowns at night for our kids. So many things there could be, we had one child who had these terrible nightmares, but she would never talk about them not right away. And so it took us a while to figure out that this was one of her issues around sleep is because she was afraid to fall asleep because sleep held these deep, dark mysteries and things that she couldn't understand. Some of our kids have been abused at night at sleep time. It's so hard when our kids won't sleep and we're so, so tired at the end of the day, but trying to hold that in some compassion, but then also knowing, you know, we've talked about radical acceptance before. Some of our kids are going to need lots of extra comfort and extra love and extra energy from us at bedtime. And so if we know that, then we can be responsible as the people in charge to do whatever we can to still have some reserve at the end of the night to nurture our kids when they need nurture, provide the structure and stick to the structure when they need structure. But we can't do that if we're done, done, done after dinner. So knowing ourselves well enough to know how to fill up our buckets to make us better for those relationships at night, which I am super not good at because I'm a morning gal. Uh, But that can be important because, you know, there's only so many things we can do for our kids and we can't control their sleep so much. We can only influence it. So sometimes we just have to make ourselves available for those nighttime, long nighttime routines. And the way that we've managed that for over 30 years is because I'm home with the kids during the day and I have traditionally been home during the day, uh, Russ does bedtime because honestly, by the time I had made it through dinner, I didn't have much left for nurture. And so it was also just always a really special time for him to connect with our kids. And we have actually maintained that up until very, very recently. And because the boys are getting so much older, but Russ and I were just talking about it the other day that even still, they need that check-in time with him. And so we're going to try to get back into a better routine with bedtime. But Russ has always prayed for our kids, read aloud to them. He usually sings to them, which is a sweet routine. So that bedtime routine, and our kids also always know exactly what's going to happen. That's been Russ's thing. And I think it's been both good for his relationship with the kids, and it's definitely good for me because by that time of night, I would rather be cleaning the kitchen if it still needs to be done than tucking the kids in. Let's just be honest. Yeah. Well, in the name of keeping your bucket a little bit full for the end of the day, some of that is what tip number three is, which is recruit your team. We can't do this alone. And I have a friend who talks about our kids in terms of how many adults they need in their life. So some of our more neurotypical kids, you know, they could be 
half adult kids, right? Like you could have three of them and one adult in life and get along pretty well. But some of our kids are like three adult kids, like they're one kid and they kind of need three adults in their life. You know, like one adult who's always with them or two adults who are always with them. And then, you know, one person to tag out some of those people. You know, a lot of us are doing this with the inverse relationship. You know, we're one adult with two or three, four or five hard kids or just five kids, you know, all kinds of different needs and we need help. We do. We do. And I think what's really useful is to brainstorm and really ask yourself, what do I need help with? What is an absolutely I need help? What is a, I would really like help and make lists and then think really creatively about who you could ask to help you. You know, there are people in our church communities who might be older and not have kids at home anymore, and they'd be willing to help. Or there may be a younger parent whose oldest daughter or son is 11 or 12, and they want to they want responsibility and they want to be like a mother's helper, and they could do that with their mom's help. You know, that's another another way. We just have to think I think very creatively, you know, for me, I've shared lots of times that I have a friend who used to take Calcadon one afternoon and dinner time a week. And that was just a lifesaver for us. It really, really was. And I don't think it felt extremely hard to her. She enjoyed that time with Calcadon. And so, but it made all the difference for us. So anyhow, I think we have to think creatively, like, are we going to hire a teenager to come to our home? Are we going to hire somebody to take our some of our kids on a little field trip once a week? Are we going to hire a mother's helper? Are we going to trade with a friend? Like, I will take your kids one day a week and for half a day and you'll take mine, you know, do some trading. There are lots and lots of options for how we can ask for the help that we need. Yeah, and I think this can either even be camps and VBSs and, you know, again, some of those places are landmines for our kids, but you know your kids and now is the time. It's probably even past the time for some of the most popular camps in your area, but now's the time to start thinking about ways that our kids could have some fun structure away from us. Again, uh, to thinking outside the box, like sometimes our kids are better for other people than us. And sometimes our older kids are looking for us to believe in them and to provide them a little responsibility. I was talking to another mom recently and she has a daughter who's the age of a mother's helper. And, you know, we thought, what if there was a family in the community who could use that help and we could kind of orchestrate behind the scenes? You know, it's, if it's our idea, our kids are never going to go for it. You know, let's be real. So, you know, maybe if you could plant the seed in another mom's mind or even just get her on, in on it, right? Hey, my daughter, I'm looking for my daughter to have some, you know, space from us and she's really good with kids and could you just ask her if she would be willing? You know, so the ask comes from someone else and then if you want to be really really good, you could give that person money to pay your kid. I mean, we used to just say $3 an hour, like something not like exorbitant, but Think about how much money you would have to pay for like camp when you could just pay another mom in the community to pay your daughter uh, or son or whoever it is would be way, way cheaper. And it's kind of a win-win because you're totally blessing another really busy mom with now free help. 
Yeah, I think it's a great idea. In fact, we had that exact situation where there was a mom whose daughter needed work and they wanted her to gain some skills. And so she did ask me to hire her daughter and she said, but I will pay for it. And we did that for a little while. It, it was good. It was a good experience. But I think there are a lot of young people, especially if you're not in a situation where you can leave your children or one of your children, um, having someone come to your home while you're home just to occupy the kids and be another set of eyes is really, really helpful. I also know young moms who will hire a um, sitter to go to the pool with them because it's just too dangerous to have too many young kids at the pool by her, you know, yourself if you have a lot of kids. And so they'll hire someone just to come along to the pool. Of course, all of this means you do have to have some money to spend, which I know is hard, but, um, you know, it's, it's very, very worth it to avoid big, big meltdowns and rages in the summer as much as we possibly can. Or, you know, it's cheaper than you or your child ending up in a inpatient situation because everyone's crazy. And I know that sounds extreme, but you know what? It's happened to some of us. So well, yeah, I mean, well spent. We were really concerned once about a Christmas break Friday night. First night we went, we school got out. We went to a church Christmas party. We came home and we ended up in the ER that night. So yeah, this is hard for our kids. These transitions to breaks are really hard for them. And when it's hard for them, we can get really anxious and that becomes hard for us. So anyhow, we're going to keep going on these tips because we want you to be thinking ahead to what's going to help you with the summer. So tip number four, plan the fun. We put this in for us, Lisa and me, because we aren't the fun moms as much anymore. And so we have to be a little bit more intentional about remembering that summer can be fun. And sometimes when we're trying to plan the routines and find the help and stressing about whether or not we're going to survive summer, we kind of, the fun sometimes gets lost. Mm-hmm. So we just put this in here to just remind us, you know, some of the reasons why we do love being moms and why, you know, the places that our kids can be themselves, what are their strengths? Where do they do well? This is really a chance to help us remember the positives of our kids and their character qualities and what they enjoy. And there's a lot of things in summer that do lend themselves to our kids' strengths because a lot of our kids' strengths may not be academics, but they might be in being active or creative or exploring. Yes, absolutely. And I, I know like sometimes I would think ahead and think, okay, what would be something that would be a fun thing to have at our house to help the kids have fun at home? And like one year we bought a tetherball, um, And another year, actually just last summer, I bought one of those big saucer swings and I hung it from our old swing set that really nobody's using much right now. But because with the saucer swing, you actually put your legs into it. I was able to just hang it on there and it it got used and that was really, really fun. Another thing that's fun for my kids in the summer is um, we like to grill a lot because it's too hot to cook. And, you know, getting to do that with, with Russ is a fun kind of activity. Yeah. And, you know, maybe even just, we talked about this when we talked about Christmas, right? Like letting everyone brainstorm what they would like to do for the summer, maybe creating a little family bucket list and trying to get to one fun thing for each of the kids, Um, especially if you have a big family, like you can't do all the things, but, you know, you could pick one reasonable thing per child that, you know, would really just help make their summer. Yeah. I think it's a great idea. Um, Okay. Last 
tip, take care of yourself. We a little bit talked about this with sleep, but it's so important. It's worth saying again. We like to define self-care as the things that make us better for relationship. This isn't just self-care because we feel we need the right to have a mani-pedi or a bubble bath or something like that. This is crucial to the underpinnings of our entire family. It's the foundation. It lays the really strong foundation so that when there's bumps along the way, we have the margin and the capacity to handle them. You know, this is a good time. You might need to look for some support just for you, a counselor for you, a good friend who you could meet with regularly, whether in person or, you know, we've all found a lot of support online. I know we talk about it often, but we have a private Facebook group just for the Adoption Connection. It's a wonderful place to connect with other adoptive moms and foster moms. But there are also fun ways, like Melissa's talked about using Marco Polo, which is like a video app, right? Do you want to talk just super briefly about that? Yeah, it's kind of like a video walkie-talkie. So it gives you the opportunity to leave video messages for a friend. It's great if you're trying to stay in touch with someone who doesn't live super close. You don't get to see their face very often. Um, It's been really fun to even make new friends on, like friends I've connected with like on Facebook. And then we connect on Marco Polo and it just kind of takes the relationship to a different level. You actually feel like your friends Lisa, we had only met through video things, Marco Polo and or Zoom, you know, which is what we use to do meetings and such. But when we finally met in person um, and even shared a room together, right, it, it didn't feel like there was that much of a learning curve. Like you really can get to know someone pretty well over video. You can, you can. And it's, it's a great way to have support, especially when you're in a more stressful time like summer might be. One of the things that's been really helpful for me and I talk about a lot is making a list of things that give you joy and a big list, like really brainstorm hard, 30, 40, 50 things maybe that give you joy. And they can be very, very small things. Like for me, standing on the back porch with a cup of coffee and just breathing for a couple minutes early in the morning, that gives me a lot of joy. Uh, Last night while I was cooking dinner, I put on worship music. I was having kind of a sad down day and I put on some worship music and I actually just played it through my phone because I didn't even want to hassle with anything more complicated. Music is really good. Reading something you enjoy that is not adoption or trauma related for even 10 minutes a day is so good for us. What? Those things exist? (laughs) I know it's a miracle. Reading that's not adoption related? What is this thing you speak of? (laughs) (laughs) How about you, Melissa? What are things you enjoy? I pretty much fuel every day on early mornings before anyone gets up. And I'm wired that way. So that really works well for me. I know it doesn't work well for everybody, but that literally, like if my day doesn't start off that way, I kind of, it's kind of like, you know, starting off the day on the wrong foot, getting out of the bed on the wrong side of the bed. I really need that time. I have a little routine I do. If I can get that done in the morning, that's like success for me. And like the rest of the day can happen. And like I get my success done early. So that's been really huge. You know, we did a whole episode, episode 31 on ways that we can help relieve our stressed out brain, ways to fill our buckets up that, you know, are proven backed by neuroscience. So you can jump back there for some other like categories of things that can be really helpful. Cause sometimes I think we get stuck in a rut and it's important to realize some of the things that we're not feeding and resting our brain with. But yeah, I'm a 
summertime always feels to me like a time to read, you know, kind of beachy, easy novels. It can be a good time to like, because my routines are so different when the kids are out of school. I also like you, Melissa, am an early morning person, but I do find it harder to maintain some of my routines when life just feels so different. And also when there's travel going on and guests coming and going, and of course this summer with a wedding. So one thing that helps me, of course, is to be reading my Bible and praying. The summer is a good time sometimes to do something that will give you more structure. Like uh, there's an app called She Reads Truth that has really simple daily reading plans. And what I love, of course, is that you get to check off your reading each day. And I'm really a check kind of person. It makes me feel successful and happy. So it might be a good time if you're not using a plan or if you just need something different for the summer, this would be a really good time to check out the She Reads Truth app. Yeah. And mindfulness, we've talked a little bit about this before, but I do not sit still for very long or very well, but two minutes of mindfulness, two to three minutes of mindful breathing where I'm watching a breathing bubble on my phone and it's telling me to breathe in and hold and breathe out and hold has been really, really good for my brain. And again, the neuroscience says it's actually helping change the structure of my brain so that my thinking brain is more in control than my feeling brain. And so those are just really good ways to not just fill up our buckets, but make us better moms, better parents better people in all of our relationships, not just with our kids. Well, there are so many other things, small tips that we could talk about, but I think these are our big ones. We really want to encourage you to think ahead to summer. Think about what your kids are going to need, what you are going to need. Start writing it down. I'm definitely a person who... um, I need to get my thoughts out. I actually write in a paper planner a lot. I do keep a lot online as well, but um, making lists, writing things down, brainstorming. If your kids are able to do things like go to VBS, get online now. Start asking on Facebook, which churches in our community have Vacation Bible School? Or ask, you know, what day camp opportunities are there? Or sports things, like my boys are a little older and they're really into athletics. And, you know, i Last year, I found out at the very last minute about a local basketball camp that was just half a day. And so this year, you can bet it's already on my radar. I'm going to find out when that is. I'm going to block it out. My boys, I think, are going to go to church camp this summer, and that will be a first. So um, just planning ahead, laying out the whole summer on my Google calendar, and where are the gaps, and where are the activities, and what are we going to do to keep everybody regulated and our family in a good space this summer. Yeah, I think the other thing is sometimes I get caught up in, I don't really need to write out my 50 things of joy that bring me joy, or I don't really, you know, I kind of have a couple ideas in my head of things we can do that are fun, but that is taking up mental space and energy friends that we don't necessarily have to give. And that will become even less when our kids are home and we start feeling the pressures and stress of summer. And as soon as our brain starts to feel stress, we lose our ability to be creative. We don't think very well. So this is the time while the kids are still in school, if they are, to brainstorm some of those things so that they're right and they're ready, that the thinking has already been done. And all you have to do is remember the things that bring you joy and just pick one and do it. And it takes so, some of the thought away. We have so much de- decision fatigue already. So do yourself a favor, plan ahead, write it down, 
we actually wrote a little ebook that has all of these tips in it, some extra things that we didn't have time to talk about. You can grab a copy of that over at the show notes where we'll also link to some of the other episodes we talked about, a link for downloading this ebook. And you can find those things all at theadoptionconnection.com slash 35. Before you go, we'd love to connect with you on social media. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram as The Adoption Connection. Thanks so much for listening. We love having you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a quick review over on iTunes. It will help us reach more moms who may be feeling alone. And remember, until next week, you're a good mom doing good work, and we're here for you. The music for the podcast is called New Day and was created by Lee Rosevere.